because He has made a way. Amen? He has provided it. He has come into our world. He is the great I Am. He is Emmanuel, God with us. But if we don't respond to Him, then we're not going to experience the life that He promises. You're listening to the teachings of Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and reach out with God's truth to all people. Now, here's Pastor Michael. The passage is John 8.58. So let's turn in our Bibles to the Gospel of John, and we'll be, you'll be hearing from some different speakers this month, both on Sundays and Wednesdays, and they will be focusing on the Advent calendar for their message. So this morning, we have an incredibly powerful passage And it's located in the Gospel of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, chapter 8, verse 58. This is Jesus speaking, and he's been in conflict with the Jewish religious leadership, and he said these words, John 8, 58, John 8, 58, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. Therefore, they picked up stones, that is, the religious leaders picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Would you pray with me? Fathers, we look at the majestic gospel of John and uh, link some passages that go with what Jesus said here. We are reminded of the grandeur of these I am statements, how profound, how Deep they are, the gravity of what they teach us. And some of those we'll be focused on as we do these messages this month. But this one is uh, just so powerful and so incredible. Before Abraham came into existence, Jesus says, I am. Now we know that Abraham lived over a thousand years before Jesus was ever born. So this obviously riled up the Jewish religious leadership and it brought questions and even they thought he was blaspheming because of the radical nature of the claim. And Lord, we want to know you by name. That's really what this Advent season is about, knowing you by name, knowing who you are, knowing your true identity and knowing who you are makes us understand who we are. And I pray That all the distractions, all the weights, all the struggles that we can bring into a place like this, this season sometimes is fraught with difficulty for many. I pray that the light of the world, the great I am, would comfort our fears, would grant us supernatural joy and peace, and that you would guide our steps, Lord, as we follow you and as we know who you are by name. So bless this time. Open your word to our hearts. Soften and stir our hearts, Lord, how we need it. We pray that you'd bless this time. Make us good soil for your word. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Now there are seven I am statements in the Gospel of John. Uh, You may have come across them before. Maybe you've studied them before. Each of them are spoken by Jesus and each of them make a profound point about who he is. And so what I want to do is take you as an introduction through the seven statements. I'm not going to go into depth on them, but I want to point them out to you and have you highlight them in your Bible if you haven't done them before. 
Each of them has like a metaphor, a description of Jesus and who he is and what he offers. Each of them call for a response from you and me. And each of them will have a result if you respond. Look at the first one. It's in John 6.35. Each of them spoken by Jesus. Jesus said to them, I am. That's what you want to highlight. It's an I am statement. I am, John 6.35, the bread of life. The response, he who comes to me shall not hunger. He who believes in me shall never thirst. Notice the claim, I am the bread of life. The response, we have to come and believe. The result, we will not hunger and thirst anymore. So I want you to think about the claim, the response, and the result as we go through this. Now, this is not one of the seven, but it it's closely related to it, and it's in John 7, 37. Take a peek. Now, on the last day of the, the great day of the feast, that's tabernacles, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Jesus spoke this about the Holy Spirit, and he's basically uh, confirming the fact that if you come to him and believe in him, the result will be an overflowing life. The second I am statement I want you to see is in John 8, 12. I would encourage you to keep marking these. John 8, 12, Jesus says, he spoke to them saying, I am, there's the I am statement, the light of the world. That's the Greek word cosmos. That speaks of uh, him being the creator of the world and the light of this darkened world system. The response, he who follows me, shall not walk in darkness, but the result will be he or she will have what? The light of life. The claim, he's the light of the world. Think about how powerful that is. You have to follow him to realize that, and then you won't be in darkness, and you will have light in your life. John chapter one talks about Jesus being the light that enlightens every man and woman. John 10, nine, if you flip over there, is the third one I wanna show you. John 10, 9, Jesus says, I am the door. The response, if anyone enters through me, the result, he will be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture or find freedom. Think of a sheep going out and enjoying the pasture and the beauty of it and all that goes with that. Uh, here's the fourth one. I am, John 10, 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Flip over to John eleven twenty five. This will kind of answer the result of that claim. Jesus laying down his life for us. And in John eleven twenty five, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, that's how we respond to the claim, this is the response, and this is the reality of what he said about being the good shepherd. And the result is that even he shall live, the person who responds to this, even if he what? If he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And then Jesus says, do you believe this? Do you see a trend here? A claim is made, a radical claim, an exclusive claim, a gigantic claim about his identity. And then he says, it's not enough for you just to know that I'm claiming this. 
And by the way, I don't just teach about the resurrection, I am the resurrection and the life. And if you believe in me, you will never die. And he's talking about spiritual death here. You won't experience the wrath of God because of my death and resurrection for you. Incredible. And then John 14, I have two more to show you. Verse six, one that you're probably very familiar with. Jesus makes this claim in John 14, six. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. In John 14, one, Jesus talked about in my Father's house there are many mansions, so he's talking about heaven. The result of this is big. If you believe in Jesus, you end up in the Father's house, you end up in heaven. I love the movie, The Field of Dreams. How many of you love that movie? It's a baseball movie, and it's about a dad and a son, you know, not uh, doing well, and some regret, and all of that, and so Kevin Costner's out there. I think his name is Ray Kinsella. Dad appears uh, through, it's not theologically correct, but you guys know the story. He's out there in the field in Iowa. And uh, after some incredible moments, um, the dad says to the son, so I think it's John Kinsella says to Ray, is this heaven? And he responds, no, it's Iowa. And then Kevin Costner's character says, is there a heaven? And his dad responds, oh yeah. It's where dreams come true. Do you know that Jesus said there's a heaven? And he said, if it weren't true, if there was no heaven, I would have told you. I go and prepare a place for you. The only way you're going to end up in heaven is if you come through the one who said, I am the way to my father's house. You must come through me. C.S. Lewis put it well. He said, Jesus is either a lunatic, a liar, or he's the Lord. Because no one can make claims like this and be rational, and nobody who's looked at the life of Jesus didn't believe that he didn't have a majestic, rational mind. His sermons are incredibly profound and deep. Nobody ever spoke like him. He's a liar, second option, they're all L's. He intentionally misled millions of people claiming that he was the singular way to God, but he's actually not. Some people say, oh, there's a fourth option. He really believed it. He really believed it, but he wasn't it. Uh, wouldn't that still make you kind of a lunatic? You really had a Messiah complex, but you really weren't the Messiah. Third option, says C.S. Lewis, who was an atheist and was converted to Jesus Christ marvelously. Third option, he's the Lord. And you must come through him. He's either a liar, a lunatic, or he's the Lord of heaven. And by the way, what buttressed, what backed up Jesus' claims is not simply the claim, but his teaching and his miracles. He said, destroy this body, and in three days I will raise it again. And he did it. Houdini said his ultimate trick, his ultimate magic trick was that he was going to defeat death and for a while his followers would gather on October 31st, Halloween night, waiting for Houdini to call back. By the way, he never called back because death is that great uh, equalizer and the only way that it's going to be defeated in your life and mine is if we follow the one who is the resurrection and the life and the way to heaven. 
See, Jesus is not some marginal option for an American You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. But first... Is it proper for Christians to celebrate Christmas? The Christmas season can appear to be a conflict of messages, images, and sentiments. The Origins of Christmas DVD will address frequently asked questions such as, do we know Jesus' actual birth date? Did the early church celebrate the birthday of Jesus? Did Christians really steal Christmas from a pagan holiday? The Origins of Christmas DVD wraps up with a practical answer to one final question. Is it proper for Christians today to celebrate Christmas? And if so, how? Get your copy of the Origins of Christmas DVD today when you visit walkintruth.com. Now back to Pastor Michael Lance right here on Walk in Truth. And his dad responds, oh yeah. It's where dreams come true. Do you know that Jesus said there's a heaven And he said, if it weren't true, if there was no heaven, I would have told you. I go and prepare a place for you. The only way you're going to end up in heaven is if you come through the one who said, I am the way to my father's house. You must come through me. C.S. Lewis put it well. He said, Jesus is either a lunatic, a liar, or he's the Lord. Because no one can make claims like this and be rational and nobody who's looked at the life of Jesus didn't believe that he didn't have a majestic rational mind. His sermons are incredibly profound and deep. Nobody ever spoke like him. He's a liar, second option, they're all L's. He intentionally misled millions of people claiming that he was the singular way to God, but he's actually not. Some people say, oh, there's a fourth option. He really believed it. He really believed it, but he wasn't it. Uh, Wouldn't that still make you kind of a lunatic? You really had a Messiah complex, but you really weren't the Messiah. Third option, says C.S. Lewis, who was an atheist and was converted to Jesus Christ marvelously. Third option, he's the Lord. And you must come through him. He's either a liar, a lunatic, or he's the Lord of heaven. And by the way, what buttressed what backed up Jesus' claims is not simply the claim, but his teaching and his miracles. He said, destroy this body, and in three days I will raise it again. And he did it. Houdini said his ultimate trick, his ultimate magic trick, was that he was going to defeat death. And for a while, his followers would gather on October 31st, Halloween night, waiting for Houdini to call back. By the way, he never called back because death is that great uh, equalizer and the only way that it's going to be defeated in your life and mine is if we follow the one who is the resurrection and the life and the way to heaven. See, Jesus is not some marginal option for an American's life just in case you want to add him to your portfolio. Do you know, I heard a statistic recently that the average Christian who says they're committed to a church attends 1.5 times a month. One and a half times a month. And I said, where do you get the half? And I answered the question simply by this. Sometimes I look out and people are kind of halfway there. (laughs) And some people sleep on people next to them. And the frightening thing about that is sometimes the people next to them don't know them. (laughs) But anyway, there you go. 
And the last one <laughs> is John 15, 5. And Alex is going to preach on this this Wednesday if you want more. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. This is the claim. Here's what you have to do. If you want the result, you have to abide in him and I in you, he says. And the result will be that you bear much fruit. For apart from me, says Jesus, you can do what? You can do nothing. These are seven I am statements. The claim, the response, the result. Now think with me. If you don't respond to the claim, you reject Jesus. When he says, I'm the door, you don't enter the door. He says, I'm the bread, you don't eat the spiritual bread. He says, I'm the way, you don't come through him. Then you don't get the result, which in the case is being spiritually satisfied, walking in the light, being on your way to heaven, being connected to the vine. If you're not connected to the vine, you cut branches off in your backyard. If they're not connected to the tree, what happens? In a few days, they die. Here's what you have to understand. If you don't respond to the truth, you don't get the result. You don't have life. You don't have the hope of heaven. You, you are not going to experience his resurrection power. This is what modern listeners don't want to hear, but this is what we need to hear. Jesus is not providing an option. He's saying, I am it, and if you don't come to me, you're not coming at all. And that's what bothers a lot of modern people because they say something like this. Don't all roads lead to God? Isn't it just about being sincere? Isn't it just about if it's your truth, then it must be true? Well, I think Jesus would beg to differ. And let's look at the evidence, right? It doesn't do anybody any good if we play games with statements that are very exclusive but are so exhilarating because he has made a way, amen? He has provided it. He has come into our world. He is the great I am. He is Emmanuel, God with us. But if we don't respond to him, then we're not gonna experience the life that he promises. Now, the one we're focusing on is John 8, 58 for this morning. And I would love to go through all this dialogue because it's just so good. <laughs> but I'm gonna have to pick my spots here as we go through this. But what leads up to this is a record of a conflict that Jesus has with the Jewish religious leadership that begins in John 8, 21. So we're gonna focus the rest of our time right here. And let's take a look together as we take a look at the, uh, the back and forth that goes on in the conflict, and here's how it starts out. So this is John 8, 21. Then Jesus said, therefore again to them, to the Jewish religious leadership, I go away, and you shall seek me, and shall die in your sin, or under the curse of your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. Now, in John 8, 24, peek ahead, and we'll, we'll look at this in a minute. Jesus said, unless you believe that I am he, you will what? Die in your sin. So you can see the repetition from verse 21 to 24. You've got to believe or you will die in your sin. To die in your sin means this. 
There's a, there's a word for forgiveness in Greek. And when you study the word for forgive, it actually means to send away. So you can think of the uh, Day of Atonement when they would, the high priest would confess the sins of the nation and they would send a scapegoat away and he would, he would be led off into the wilderness. And symbolically, when the high priest confessed the sins of the nation of Israel, the scapegoat would be carrying the sins of the nation. So he became like a picture of forgiveness in, that, in this sense. The confession is made and the sins are carried away. That's what the word forgive means. It means that it's no longer on you. Your sins have been carried off of you. They've been carried away. That's what it means to forgive. You, you get rid of it. You put it away from you. Well, Jesus says, if you don't believe that I am who I claim to be, and we're going to see that he's claiming to be God himself, you're going to die in your sins. Now, those are not my words. Those are Jesus' words. And just a a word of encouragement for those of you who are regularly witnessing. When somebody says to you, that's just your opinion, say, no, it's not. That's actually what Jesus said. So your argument is with Jesus. If you have an issue with what he said, I understand. And some of these are radical, exclusive claims. But please know, I'm just quoting the Bible to you. This is what Jesus said. And I think it would be good for modern listeners and modern people who are just on our planet to hear what he said and then they can weigh it and see if they want to believe it, right? And you do have free will. You do have that option. And so to die in your sin goes back to the idea of the book of Ezekiel. The watchman's on the wall. He is to warn them with the trumpet blast. You can write down Ezekiel 3.18. And if the person responds to the trumpet um, the sin is no longer on them or if you're the one blowing the trumpet, you're not responsible for them because you blew the warning blast. So this is the idea. Jesus is using language that if you believe that I am who I claim to be, then your sin will be removed and sent away from you. You'll be forgiven. But if you don't believe that I am who I claim to be, you will die in your sin. What does that mean? That means that you will die with it still there instead of being sent away. Everybody with me? You'll have to deal with the sin still being on you instead of on the ultimate scapegoat who is Jesus. See, when Jesus died on the cross, there was a divine transaction. Your sin, if you're in Christ, went to him and uh, his righteousness goes to you. That's the great exchange of the cross. But if you don't participate in that exchange, then your sin doesn't go to him, even though he died for it. He died for everybody. But you don't receive the gift, so your sin is not, uh, he doesn't pay for it on the cross. It remains on you, and you die in it. And so to die in your sin means what? It means you have to face Almighty God still cloaked in your sinfulness. Now think of, just for a moment, and I don't want to bum you out. This is a Christmas season, Pastor Michael. Come on. All right, here we go. Just think for a moment. Just, just one, one moment. Think of how many sins you've committed over your lifetime. All right, and I'm talking about actions, words, things that you failed to do, things that you thought, oh, God help me, and then... And then things that even your motivation was wrong. So like five different categories, right? Now, all I got to do is start thinking for about a second. 
for me personally, and I'm like, rut row. <laughs> to use a Scooby-Doo expression, help, Raggy. I need help. If I die in just one of my sins, I'm in trouble, but I got more than one, and I would venture to say you do too. And so if your sin is not dealt with, you die in it. What does that mean? You have to stand before Almighty God, and the Bible says that he is a consuming fire, and he dwells in unapproachable light. Moses at the burning bush didn't even want to look. People who encountered him in the Old Testament said, I don't want to look at him. He's too holy. I can't even live in his presence. You see, this is the reality of sin. The wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's why he came. He came to save you and me. To save us from what? From our sin, from judgment. Amen. You know, Jesus made these great seven I am statements in the Gospel of John that are so powerful and so revealing as to who he is and how we end up right with God. You'll find in the next part of this teaching that even after his signs and miracles and incredible preaching, the Jewish people still didn't really understand who Jesus is. But we want all people to understand what he said. He is the hope of the world. Well, you'll hear more of this teaching called I Am Tomorrow. Until then, may God bless you, and thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, encouraging you to reach out with God's truth to all people.